Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. Happy 2021. Yes, happy 2021. It's a crazy day here, crazy week in America. Woo! But uh, maybe crazy. we maybe we need a little distraction for an hour. Yes. <laughs> I want to listen to good music and talk to cool music people. Can you fill that order? <laughs> I think I can. Yes, yeah. So we invited Ronnie Barnett back, our good friend, Basis from the Muffs, um, as a co-host. And one of his favorite band and my favorite band, and I know you've been listening to them a lot, um, 28th Day. We've actually yeah. invited all three original members from 28th Day to come on the show today, and they've accepted our invitation. That's all you, Jeff. You're the magic man. You make it happen. Yeah, so this should be fun. So uh, coming up, we have all three members of 28th Day. You're in for a treat. All right, let's get it started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tune. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. Let's bring him in. Okay. Hang on, hang on. Gallery. Oh my God. Yes, the musical introduction. I love this. All right. Well, Soraya, it looks like we've got the entire cast of 28 Day, all three of the original members of the band. So this is very exciting. And for our listeners and you guys here, um, everybody knows my little story, but I wanted to start off with uh, my little story about my personal introduction to the band, uh, which took place in 1985. Oh, my gosh. Um, it was a senior in high school. Um, yeah, I was senior in high school, listening to a lot of jangle pop music, R.E.M., One Plus Two was one of my favorite bands, The Windbreakers, a bunch of guitar bands, and um, it made me want to buy a Rickenbacker guitar, which I did. Uh, we started a little band, went to high school. My senior civics teacher um, was interested in our little band, and he kept telling us and the whole class that he was very proud that his daughter had a band and here I'm thinking, oh gosh, what what is this gonna be? I'm imagining some little eight-year-old girl playing like a mini Britney Spears who didn't exist at that time in my mind. But, um, but anyways, he told uh, the whole class that he was very proud of his daughter. She had a band called 28th Day. Um, and I again, my my first thought was this, <laughs> this has gotta be bad. And um, we had, but um yeah the name i thought the same thing when i first heard it <laughs> well the in, in, interesting thing about the name which um i want to ask about uh so i ended up buying the record about a week later because it was in the independent section at our record store in encinitas california lose records which i bought almost all of my records from and everything from that section i ended up liking i brought it home put the needle down um i have um my version is the the European version. So my version starts off with 25 pills. And um, as soon as I heard the guitar playing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually something that's good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so my 12th grade civics teacher, Rip Manning, um, was very proud of his daughter, Barbara. 
And um, that's what got me into the band. So we had discussions in class actually about the band and about the name. And we as a class came up with the idea that the band name came from a woman's menstrual cycle. So I'm glad that you guys are here to clear this up. So I guess Cole, would we start with you? No, Mike, that's all Mike. Okay. No, all yeah, right. that's Mike about it. Yeah. Mike was in the band before I was, and he was wow. in the band before Cole was. He started the band. Okay. All right, Mike, for sure. can you tell us where this band name came from? It, nothing fancy. It was actually the, the day of the month. Oh. It was the 20, 28th <laughs> day of the month. <laughs> yeah, we were all sitting around going, hey, let's, let's, let's start a band. What do you want to call it? And it was, that's, that's how it started. The actual first uh, name of the band, uh, I, I still have the kick drum uh, head for the front of it. It was called Youth Serenade. That's, that's, what, you, <laughs> that's what you name a band when you're 17. <laughs> Youth Serenade. Yeah, but we, uh, that, but we realized how the, the, that name was juvenile and didn't really work. Um, but that, and then we, uh, yeah, we ended up calling it uh, 28th Day for whatever reason. And then what happened, was, what happened to those band members? How, uh, how did a Colin Barber come Honestly, I have to say, I've never even heard that story before. And so, okay. <laughs> and I've kind of been in this band for like 30 years plus or whatever. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah, it's funny what you remember. Um, I would never remembered it like, you know, two days after I would, I made that decision, but 30 years on, it, it cuts fresh. Um, yeah, it, yeah, so it was Pete was the original bass player. Pete and I were uh, lived on the same floor in the dorms. Um, my parents thought it would be best if I went if I stayed in the dorms my, my first year in college, which was great because I was a seventeen year old kid with a twenty one year old roommate. So you know how that went. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty great. So that's how I met Pete, who, who and he and I were originally just dicking around with music and stuff, and that's kind of how it started. Um, and then it just kind of expanded from there. And then uh, Alan and Bix uh, were guitar players. Alan quickly departed. I think Bix. But when knew... did Katie join? Because I thought she was in the band right at, oh, at the beginning. Oh, that's right. Ka yeah, Katie was. Uh, First singer. So she worked. Yeah, she worked mm -hmm. at KCSC Radio, a college radio station that Pete and I worked at, and we all. Reality ended up is contraception. That's right. Our first song. And so, yeah. And so we asked Katie, the only person that we knew that could possibly want to sing a song as, as, as silly as that, um, to come on board um, and write and sing the and sing. And she sang that one song and then quickly departed. Um, but yeah, that she was the first singer. She's very um, beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm still in contact with Katie uh, here, you know, now and then through uh, the power of social media, Facebook and stuff. But um, yeah, she's still in the Bay Area, but yeah, she quickly departed as well. But then we brought on Alan and Bix, and then they I, were on for a while because yeah. it's like the first I don't know three or four times I saw Twenty Eight Day, and me and Barbara were going out at this time, um, but I was not in the band. But the first number of times I saw them, it was with with Alan and Bix were both the other guitar players. Um, yeah and, and big's new love circus and that's kind of how we like hooked up with them and uh then bix left and alan was there for a little while and then alan eventually left and then that's when i got shoved in through the band yeah. yeah we had a we had some backyard party and bix said i can't make it and we asked cole to play guitar fill in because he knew the song i think barbara already. actually and told me to to play <laughs> Is the way it went. 
but I was happy to. Yeah. I, I was happy to do so. What college yeah. is this? That Chico State. Uh, Chico State. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Chico State. Yeah. So that's how Colt joined the band. A very unceremonious uh, joining of the band. He kind of just uh, jumped in at the backyard party. Oh, but it clicked right away. It did. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I could literally barely play guitar. I mean, barely. And no, I could barely play drums. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, no, that's not true. That's not true. Well, but I can say that I didn't want to play guitar. I wanted to play bass, so I kind of maneuvered my way into the bass role. Mm-hmm. Ah. Right. And then when Pete, the original bass player, went uh, home for the summer um, to work or something, because no one ever stayed in Chico in the summers. I, I did. Just, <laughs> I did. I didn't have anywhere uh, else to go. To go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when Pete left for a summer job, um, Barbara stepped in, and when um, and then when the ba and then when Pete came back, he was no longer in the band. I think he found out he was no longer in the band when he saw a flyer up on a on a telephone pole near his house because <laughs> he had thought the band had broken up yeah. over the summer. He had left, and he was he was he was pissed. Oh yeah, uh, he was oh. definitely told kind of a la Trump. Like via Twitter, <laughs> if we had had Twitter back then. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he could have found out that way earlier. Exactly. The, the yeah, flyer for another gig. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Face playing experiences, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. So, well, funny now, but at the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, he's walking home from class at Chico State and sees a flyer for 28th day uh, playing at a show in town. Um, and, yeah, in fact, in Chico was such a small town, a show. At, at, of any size and Chico was a big deal and uh, yeah he was rightly pissed did he come um, to the show and, and glare at you Barbara did he not uh... at all not at all okay in fact he helped me um, because he wrote the baseline two pages turn that I play and I at the time you know it was my beginning I was just learning bass I just wanted I knew I wanted to be a bass player and I still feel the same about bass but uh, I couldn't move my fingers that fast and so I, I remember crying a little bit, like, I can't do it. I can't do it and sing at the same time. Uh, but then, you know, muscle memory and the left and the right and it all, you know, it, it all happened. And then um, I clicked in and bass is by far my favorite position to be in if I'm in a band. I don't get op very op many opportunities yeah. to play bass, but yeah. Yeah, it was one of those rare things where we were all learning. We were basically all at the same skill level. Yeah. I really Decent, were. but not great. I, I was a little better yeah, than the, both of you. Yeah, you were. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and we were almost yeah, for we sure. were almost the Reformation. And this is a. Oh, yeah. that's right. So, yeah, so when this, we had a, we had a, a name for this a summer. infamous summer that Mike is talking about. Um, we I think we basically kind of ended the year broken up because things were antagonistic, I would have to say. But then but me and Barbara were living together, so we had to be with each other. So we were like playing together and we still wanted to do stuff and we were having fun with that. And then, you know, Mike pretty quickly was interested in keeping things going. And so, you know, we were like, well, let's do a three piece instead of a, a four piece band, which he had been. And, and I think up until that time, Barbara, you had not really been playing an instrument in the band. And Barbara really wanted to play something and mm -hmm. it became bass, of course. Uh, but um, but uh, we, we were almost the Reformation and actually Mike's, somebody, your sister or somebody did some like 
label or kind of like logo stuff for that. And we kind of kicked it around for a little while, but then we, I think we all just decided that 28 day was really what we were and where we wanted to be. And so what we, yeah, I think the, uh, yeah. Instrumental number one Mm -hmm. came from that summer Mm -hmm. from that band. Because me and Barbara were playing in a band called hallucinatory companion during that summer, which was an instrumental band that we formed with a friend of ours, um, Hugh Brashear, who was a city councilman in Chico later on in life. Uh, <laughs> but he was much older. He's kind of an older hippie guy. And me and Barbara were doing just based, totally instrumental stuff because we were both kind of like very conflicted about, you know, the passion that 28 Day had. It was very passionate band in a lot of ways. And uh, I think we were just like, let's just do instrumentals. Let's just work. We'll do something with you and and so we we did that a little bit and that's where instrumental number one came out of it was something that we had messed around with that summer and then when we knew we were going to have a lot of instrumentals so we decided to start uh, numbering them yes indeed Ah. (laughs) then mike came back and came back into the fold and that's when we really made a lot of decisions and really decided like you know let's keep this core together um well you know what was a big influence though was that so many people liked it yeah like it's, I think it's because we would draw big crowds, so we kind of thought, well, I guess we better do this then. Encouragement yeah, I mean, is a kind of yeah. Encouragement is key to being in a band, I, I think. It was definitely the right <laughs> yeah, it time. Was, it, it was really, like the right yeah. sound at the right time in the right place or whatever. In, the, in, in Chico, like. especially. Yeah. I mean, there were some really good bands in Chico. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the small college town. A lot of people, oh my gosh, what could be going on there? But Chico was. There were some insanely good bands there that mostly guys that were older than us, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, With names like Road Raisin. Yeah, Road Raisin. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Incredible Diamonds. Yeah. Were really in, good. A really, great really rock good. band. Uh, Spark and Fender, Total Hippie Band, uh, The Night Nights, Incredible Ska, kind of. I mean, really good. They were all yeah. so much better than us. Daily Planet, which Barbara knows really well. They were really close to us for many years. Um, but but we were definitely the youngsters, but we were coming from a different outlook than these guys. I mean, they were all so good as musicians. And we really felt that we really weren't. Um, but we had a we, you know, we had a different vibe. And we had a songwriting vibe that they could not match, even in our early, early days. You know, there was just something about us that was different in that regard that, you know, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but we, and they knew it too. And they, and they, you know, cause they were mostly they were very encouraging. I felt yeah, encouraged, they were, you know, yeah. I can remember seeing, you know, cause this is, you know, my mom was living there too, I, in a school bus in Chico and uh, I had brought the school bus down from the mountains and she was friends with all the bands because you know they're her age and mm-hmm. she was um she was only 17 years older than i was so she was quite the partier and i it wasn't like i couldn't go and see those bands i did with her but i didn't do the whirly world dances um with her <laughs> like i didn't really get into it i was really obsessed with instruments though so if i could see a band play i'd be staring at what kind of pedals they're using and what kind of guitars they've got. And I was obsessed with that for sure. But boy, I knew it wasn't the music for me. And, um, yeah. but you know, we haven't mentioned a big, uh, 
kind of like a cornerstone for Chico crazy people like us was the radio station. It was KCSC radio. Uh, it was only on the internet. It wasn't even on regular, you know, broad dial or anything. And uh, we were dedicated to it like crazy. It was really important. It sort of structured our fun times because when school was in session, we were all meeting there for meetings and we would put on events and all had shows and, you know, really had our own personalities there. So that was really important. And that's when I first saw Mike Cloward um, because I went there and I noticed his mm -hmm. uh, creepers first mm -hmm. and then probably his hair <laughs> after that. Yeah. And, um, and I was impressed because he was one of the first, you know, real punk rockers I had ever seen. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, Mike so, had like the coolest creepers and he had a few of them. And it's like, oh, sure. I knew they weren't cheap. <laughs> and it's like, we were so poor. I mean, we were so poor. And it's like yeah. Mike. Mike could yeah. actually afford to have like a couple different pairs of creepers. Well, that's where his money went. Somehow we figured it out. Like, I don't know how it did. Other places, ours was probably being spent on pot and things like that. Yeah. But I can I can <laughs> say too that uh, Mike gave me some really good advice. <laughs> well, advice that I've always followed ever since. But I'm thinking to myself why I would have needed the advice. Um, but it was at a show I think in the BMU, which is our college a very sterile yucky room that you'd go yeah. in and they would put on shows there and a very not that great i've never been to a bmu show where it was like packed or anything but we were playing with true west and and mike just looked at my sho my shoes were the flip-flops and he's like you cannot wear those i'm like but it's there's no <laughs> stage you're on the floor you're on the ground and he's like nope those. and that you know and that that got me going about a little thinking about that like what your appearance is on stage because i can I, do not remember i don't that. think that i was really thinking about what we look like it was more about like what was how do you respond to the audience like the audience is either sitting there looking at you at cabos or dancing over on the side or are they getting you know wildly drunk and i mean you sort of have to feed off the audience and and that was really where my my head was, I think all of our heads were, we really thought about what would sound good and what would, what would make people dance. And our set lists were really, you know, dynamic. I thought thinking about people dancing and then resting and then dancing. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it took a while for me to think about what I looked like. And, um, yeah. and then that, once that you go there, record. you can never go back. <laughs> You're like, oh, guys, I can't go out there looking like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that uh, KCSC was crucial. All those records that we would listen to because we were too poor to purchase records. Yeah, we sure. could listen to everything. Going to huge. Yeah, go to the production room at the at the radio station with a stack of records. It just dropped yeah. the needle for yeah. hours. It was yeah, pretty crucial. We could hear what was going we on throughout the country. Each That's other where we picked do radio, up. On... You know, it was yeah, that was the thing to do. Yeah. So. Well, there were so many good records in that era that were coming yeah. out. It was just every week there would be a pile of <laughs> great new, yeah. So it was just a great era, right? Yeah. And no yeah. flip-flops on stage. Good no rule, Mike. Well, I don't know. <laughs> then if you know of Chris Knox, you know, that's the only thing he wears is on stage. But I can't handle the little thing between my toes. Okay, for most. For most, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. for most. Yeah, there's some royalty that can wear it. Yeah. So. Well, I had a question based on something that Cole had mentioned, and um, it has to do with songwriting. And um, this is kind of influenced by something that Ronnie brought up recently on one of his posts where uh 
he did a little bit of bragging on Facebook that he did get invited by Greg Kinn to to do a, a songwriting session. And uh, in, in one of the comments that Ronnie put, he mentioned that for his band, The Muffs, that Kim Shattuck did, brought in all the songs, wrote all the songs, and they weren't born out of stupid jam sessions or idiotic jam sessions. So I know that some bands will uh, write songs with the band members bringing in songs and people add to it. Um, and or sometimes there are jam sessions and the songs are born out of that. How was the songwriting for 28th Day? Well, we, we wrote in songs. I mean, me either I was writing a song or Barbara was writing a song. Or Mike. Yeah. Or Mike, yeah, absolutely. And Mike wrote lyrics to a number of uh, songs, especially in the in the kind of earlier 28 day uh, period. Um, we we brought we brought songs in and worked out, you know. Uh, and, and first, that's why Barbara sings "Pages Turn" because that's the first song I ever brought to the band when I joined. It's actually the first song I ever wrote. singing yes oh yeah i mean i've got i did a live thing this this kind of streaming thing that they did right when covid first hit that i did um uh at for for the for the community college here in town and i and i did it i play it all the time i still play it all the time you know it's for me it's a good song to like warm up with or whatever but um but i was just like i can't sing i i'm, I'm not gonna do it and so that's why barbara sings Pages turn because like that was the first one, and then I think after that it was either I think Barbara was just like you need to sing you know the song to you bring in, and I never felt that comfortable with my vocals, especially with Twenty Eight Day. Honestly, to tell you the truth, uh, I think I'm better now than I was then for sure. Um, singing why I did you know a capo, a capo would have helped so much, and I just <laughs> never even used one until like eight years ago, so it was a really stupid thing but but i'm really glad that barbara sings that song because i mean her vocals on that song are insane and they're you know yeah i i kind of remember now that i'm thinking about it like cole would come in a lot less structured and go i, I have this part and this part and this part and i always remember barbara would go okay here's how it yeah. goes this is the start the middle this is where i want the lead cold do what you, do a lead here and stuff she was much more structured and 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 i think the combination of the two like cole kind of being less structured kind of helped us grow into playing as a band because we kind of like figured out parts together kind of on like the like on a roller coaster we kind of just figured it out and then barbara helped us uh, think about structure mm -hmm. and stuff because you don't really i mean we were really learning how to play um, i was writing songs yeah. since i was i think yeah 14 or something as I have a book with all those songs in them and there. Um, I go through periods of hating everything in there and then going, Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. 
and then going, oh my God. But it's like, you know, I didn't know what uh, love was. I really didn't understand. And I was, certainly couldn't put into words the experiences I had had already in the beginning. But after a while, I started realizing you can put an event or an experience or a feeling into a song and it lives forever that way. And you know, like, mm -hmm. I, I, I feel, I think, I think I've always had like a little bit of that where I know, I know what a song is and, and like, I can remember, I remember telling Cole a lot about this, like, we, cause we both love the who, but I remember the day my mom brought, came home, opened up this record, you know, peeled off the cover, this plastic, put it on the vine, you know, put it on the vinyl player and then immediately walked over to me. I'm sitting down. Um, I'm like, I don't know, three years old or something. And she drops the record cover in my lap. And she says, this is a story. And so I'm like, okay. So I picked that up. I'm like, all right, this whole thing is a story from the beginning to end, making, trying to make sense out of it and trying to make the artwork make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the struggle for me. Cause I was like, well, what is all this crap on here? Like, but the idea that a record makes sense and that there's a story and then there's like a beginning and an end and there's, like there's some kind of fundamental reason to it being there. Um, you know, yeah, for sure. I knew I was going to be a songwriter from the beginning, <clears throat> but it was my first chance to, to try it out. Yeah, it was great. Were you playing guitar at that, the, yeah, you know, the early guitar, So that's why it was frustrating because okay. I knew I was better than Alan and Bix and they would have both said the same. Like I could, I could play, I could strum and play rhythm and, knew more chords than they did, but that wasn't what my job was. I was there to replace um, Katie. And so there was already, you know, songs written that I was learning and, and we had this adorable, it was blissful, this tiny little garage that Mike had my arranged. My backyard, actually, yep. With someone, he yeah. had arranged with someone, I don't remember, but just going there and the smell of it, and it was so small and, I loved it so much. It was just magical. Yeah. Um, even before we did anything with it, but it was, it was beautiful. I don't know if you can replace that kind of magic when you first start, you know, and it could probably, that's what everything that, you know, any creative or interesting thing you do, the first time you do it is just, you know, you're cutting into this thing that you, you're feeling it and, and smelling it and like everything is so tactile at that point and it's just you know easy to remember um but yeah 28 day was was my everything i mean it became there was nothing more important than 28 day and that's when i stopped buying textbooks to class and i didn't really care about class at all and when we recorded our first record i showed up with you know to class you know, after a few days of being absent with the tape wrapped around my lip, you know, my arms and my neck, the, the excess tape that was thrown on the floor. I was like, I am wearing this. <laughs> um, that's how special it was our first time. Mm -hmm. All right. Soraya, you're probably not liking how this sounds since you're a college professor hearing that. <laughs> Who is a no? No, the, the, Barbara's oh. the sort of that I like it drawn to. I want to know more about their story. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the best part about that rehearsal spot that I'm, I'm remembering it was it was small and it was dank, of course, but it had carpet on the on the ground, and we thought the carpet was on top no. of cement until it first rained. <laughs> yeah, it was on dirt, 
And so, yeah, so wow. it got wet underneath that carpet and we could not touch each other or touch anything or we'd get shocked. <laughs> The whole room was locked. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm sure the, yeah, I'm sure the vocals we were going through a guitar amplifier, too. Yeah. There was definitely oh, no yeah, we, yeah, PA yeah. or anything like that. So it sounded very fun. The vocal, yeah, the, yeah, very fun. Wow. <laughs> God, we're lucky you survived. I mean, now with that, that <laughs> We would shed, not have this record. It was yeah. a shed. It was not a building. It was a shed. Right. And it was literally wanted, in my backyard. Where 28th Day did their very first show ever was in that house. It was not a two-car garage. No, it was not. It was like a one, <laughs> like a one. It was a two. It was a two-lawnmower yeah. garage. Is what yeah, it was. Right, it was right. A, a place where you store <laughs> shovels and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we um, talk about the record? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I yes. just, I just want to say you mentioned playing with True West. Now, now did Russ? Was he kind of the guy who I don't discovered you in a way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that same show Mike was talking about at the at the student center at Chico, we opened for True West. Uh, and we come a long way in like a year. I mean, a long way musicianship wise. I mean, we, we rehearsed all the time, but you know the story. I'm you know, and uh, we just we we were all getting better. And that was at a point where we were really, you know, I was starting to play slide guitar and stuff. At that point in time, we were doing some. You know, we were just more like sonic and you know big and 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 russ took notice and like he talked to us pretty much immediately and and was like are you guys recording do you want to record i'm pretty sure cool that mike had a hand in that though oh, i'm sure he did uh, obviously because yeah. i didn't know who <laughs> russ tolman was and you know because even when we were recording i he and i got in a little tiff and i was like kind of stupid and said how many songs have you written after him not letting me my yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, uh, all of them. <laughs> I, I mean, Mike, Mike was certainly way more in tune with, like, really what was going on in the scene and everything like that, and kind of like looking to our future and what we could do, uh, much more than me and Barbara were, because we were just. I would have never gone there. Well, actually, no, I would, I would have gone there, but I probably would have taken. A, I mean, I guess my ears were later, and when I started to really wake up to how you can use music to, you know, go further in life, I guess. But certainly not at that time. Boy, and Chico, all I was interested in was, you know, well. <laughs> Drinking beer, hanging out. Yeah, and staying, staying, me and Cole, you know, I was in love with him the whole time. So that was a really interesting era because we were treating each other so badly, then so great, then so badly. So, um, yeah. You know, it was a learning process for sure. Well, we were super lucky because we were the only band that could play with all of the Paisley Underground bands that came through Chico. So when you think about the Long Riders, we played with them twice. Um, we played with uh, like the 16 Tambourines Tour, uh, three o'clock, um, the rice, Rain Parade. The same day twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same, yeah, so we were able to play with all these bands and start networking and stuff, and that's how we kind of met everybody. More like, and then when if I then, was, no, Thin White yeah. Rope. <laughs> thin White Rope. Yeah, Thin White Rope. Wasn't there a band, If Then Why? Yeah, that was one of our, that was our first Sacramento show, um, was with those guys from San Francisco. They were uh, post-punk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so we, um, yeah, we were really lucky. We met a lot of people early on in the scene. And I was aware of True West because of their Lucifer Sam 7-inch, which was killer. <clears throat> and then um, I actually wrote the band and sent a, a demo tape to Gavin, their lead singer, who had been evicted 
and it went to an address that he no longer lived at and stuff. And so when I started the conversation with Russ, um, it was completely new and, and yeah, it was pretty cool because Gavin had no idea who we were. <laughs> like, hey, did you get our tape? He goes, what are you talking about? I mean, Russ was so the guy to talk to anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah Russ was the yeah. mover. So, so Russ says, uh, we need to make a record at this point. Yeah. Is that, and, and it, that was his, yeah. his label, right? Through Enigma. Um, yeah, like, ex- yeah, Bring Out Your Dead. Bring Out Your Dead was Russ. I don't know what else came out on that label besides maybe a Russ record, but was, yeah. was there well, anything well, else besides you? I don't believe so. Yeah, um, yeah it was Russ and Connie. Um, but yeah, Russ came up a couple times and watched us rehearse, and it was it helped a ton because he was like, well, take this part out, yeah. take this part out. So all our songs went from like mm. five minutes to three minutes. And so everything just got like way shorter. We go, wow, this makes a lot more sense. And then, you know, our songwriting got, well, Barb and Cole's songwriting got like much more concise and tighter. And, and that's where I think we kind of got a lot better with those early meetings with Russ showing up at the rehearsals and, you know, kind of just giving us some, some tips. I mean, we were so isolated in Chico. Yeah. I think everyone was at that time though, in a way, because there were no cell phones or internet or nothing like that. And I mean, we were isolated yeah. by miles as well, but boy, we, you know, yeah. The only things you can know about, I mean, we were lucky to have our pulse on the radio station because that's where things came in. But I mean, in many ways, Mike, I wouldn't have known until later about things if I hadn't been introduced to it by you. You know, first time I ever heard Gun Club or The Smiths or whatever, you know, you were totally like, you you were very much interested in what was new. I I can tell you that I wasn't at all um, going there. I was just more interested in I think I was more interested in the writing and the and the instrument and the sound. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really cared too much about what was going out there in the background as much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was kind of, I, it's an interesting, I, I was thinking about this interview before, you know, earlier in the day and stuff and just thinking of trying to put my head where I was at that time and, you know, just being a, the, the drummer guy in the back and then watching these two, like, you know, great songwriters continue to like write like a lot of songs. You get super excited. Then you want to propel. I think it started out kind of innocent, like, Hey, we're playing songs that people could dance to. And, you know, we're drinking beers and having a good time. It's something to do in a, in a small town in between college classes and college radio shows and stuff. Then all of a sudden it starts picking up steam and, and all of a sudden you, you, you find yourself like, how far can we actually take this? So, I mean, I think my, one of my best memories from that time was watching Barbara and Cole develop and these, these two songwriters like write these great songs together. It was, it was a pretty amazing experience. There's no doubt. There's, there's something, um, when, I, when I work with Cole, um, there's definitely something, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a chemistry, not only physically, but a musical chemistry between the two of you as well, obviously. Oh, that's, the- yeah. The, the other side, the, the sexual side is long gone, but uh, we're, we're, <laughs> but the but the yeah. work, the creative side, it's like a really strong, I don't know, just a really strong energy. I could guess I could say, um, you know, it's not the only one that I've had or Cole's had or you know maybe Mike has worked with other bands too, um, you know, with his his career. But I think that there was something, and. I, when we would do reunions, it was there already. It was still there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a shame, you know, when people live really far away and and things yeah. kind of die off. But 
um, yeah, I think when he and I were together, it was kind of one of those lodestones. There was some magnetic energy happening that, you know, you can turn my rock around and I won't feel the same kinetic energy with somebody else. So getting back to the record, um, did you guys pick the songs or did you pick them out? You, you said Russ helped with the kind of arranging stuff. Um, did he help? Uh, you know, was it supposed to be seven songs? We I know, I know there's a longer version of Greece. at the time. We really did. Oh, okay. I mean, we did. Okay. okay, we did. But it was kind of the earlier 20th Day stuff, which was more, look, I mean, there's a whole tape, which I think should be a release called 28 songs about 28 Day, Mike. Is that the cassette release? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and it's in a all the early now. stuff, which is much more kind of punk rock, uh, much rawer. There's some amazing and on it on that tape. I mean, amazing! Wow, American yeah. Fast Cars, which probably nobody has heard, but like, oh, yeah, chances become electric. That was a song ever. Yeah. It's so good. <clears throat> so, anyway, we had yeah, kind of so. we had changed, we had moved on to a different thing, and we were like, we were a different band for sure. Yeah, it was like Mach 1 and Mach 2, and I think and when we started, like when we started rehearsing with Russ, I, we realized that some of the earlier stuff just wasn't going to make the transition. So it was really funny. I, I, I will remember, you know, recording. It was really funny. We were such newbies and stuff. We went into the studio. We were like, we had two days in the studio. We are going, okay, on day one, we're going to record these three songs, and on day two, we're going to record these three songs. We didn't even know we, we were supposed to track everything in, in order. <laughs> or, you know, it was so crazy, but yeah, I remember coming back from those sessions and playing those tapes to our friends at the at the house on Olander and and people going, yeah, who did you hire to, to play your instruments? Yeah. And that's how I <laughs> progressed. And, uh, I mean, we had the equipment set up in the living room. Yeah. Barbara and Cole lived in the basement. Uh, I lived upstairs and in the middle of the house was just all our equipment. And we, those, I don't know how the neighbors stood it because we were, we were pretty shitty. For, and we recorded like with yeah. like, stuff going up i think we we're trying to isolate so like yeah my drums were in my bedroom upstairs i mean it was because <laughs> we did a whole cassette release like a demo a four song cassette release of 28 day material before the record came out that you could actually buy and cheat mm -hmm. and so it came with like wow. a little lyric sheet and the cassette and the whole the whole thing but there's like like the seminal versions of like Pages Turn and 25 Pills and uh, uh, I'm Only Asking You and stuff like that that are on that tape for sure, which is wow. pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to dig it up. So where did the extra more. tracks come in for the version that I have, the European version? Well, so we, we did that album and then it was going to come out in Europe and so they needed more. My stuff. 21st birthday. Yeah, they didn't release, they didn't release EPs in Europe, I guess. I don't know what the story was. But they sure like, do, but yeah, there yeah. was some kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. wanted a full length record. Yeah, yeah, and you have to go back in the studio and do a full length record. So we went back. That's when we went into Army Street Studios uh, and did uh, did four Dead Center. Songs. Dead Center, Dead Center and, and a few other things. And we re recorded Turn, but then we ended up going yeah. with the the original version of Pages Turn that was done with Russ at in Davis. And we, we kept that one. Just we yeah. like the spunkiness of it kind of. It's very different, really, if you listen to the two versions. The second version is yeah. on the new Strum and Thrum thing, uh, which I really like. I mean, I, I like that second version a lot. Barbara's vocals are just, it's so weird. You can totally see, I don't know, what's the difference in time there? A year, maybe at the most? But it, 
it's so yeah. completely different, like emotionally between those two versions of that song, which to me, I really, really like that difference. I just love it. Yeah, Tom Allen mixed yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I remember Tom that. Allen. Ah. Yeah, great, was, great mixer. Yeah, I deal. mean, he had done a bunch of stuff, of course, with American Music Club and mm -hmm. and like a flying really color. Cool stuff. Ah, flying color, yes. Yeah, flying color. Yeah, both versions yeah. are on the uh, CD here, right? Yeah. If I remember yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, some of those, uh, just, uh, some of the live tracks on the, the rehearsal yeah. on, on that CD, I think, are where we were heading. I mean, we were totally going in a different direction at the time he broke up. Uh, yeah. Going in so much better. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, was... yeah. Can we talk about Enigma Records for a second? Yeah. Did you, did you feel, um, uh, you feel like they were doing a good job? I mean, they released so many records back in that at that time. I mean, do you think maybe you were lost in the shuffle a little bit, or, or? Well, you I know, think, or did being, the EP thing yeah, work I mean, against I, you in a way? You know, like. Well, yeah, I think a, a couple things. I mean, looking back on it, we didn't know what was good, right or wrong or good or bad. Um, yeah. I, I I think that we did get a little lost in the shuffle, um, being you know isolated in Chico, where a lot of things weren't going on. Like we weren't like in San Francisco or Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really network with with Enigma. We left a lot of it in Russ's hands. We hand just had that one show with of... the Dead Milkmen and yeah. at Raji's Plastic Land. Was ah. it Plastic Land? <laughs> and and Plastic Land, but I know it was Dead Milkmen. It was so well. fucking great. That Plastic Land album, I keep I... looking for it. I cannot find it. it. Is one of the greatest records. I'll look for it for you. It's for L.A. thing. I have an extra one called. Yeah. I swear. Are you I, serious? I that I will. I'll send you. I'll send you the Plastic it's Land. It's so record. good. Uh, I, I I agree. I love that band. Love that band. Yeah, yeah, that was a good show, Raj. I barely remember them. Then we played San Diego. I yeah, think, we did. Same. Didn't what was it? Somebody was right. sick. Somebody couldn't sing. The Barbara? No, that would be you. That was me. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't. I wasn't hungover. I was sick. I was actually sick, and I lost yeah. my kind of voice. And I think Barbara sang everything for that show in San Diego. Which was kind of crazy because mm -hmm. that's where her dad was from and stuff. I'm sure her parents were at that show. Right. Her dad and, and his wife at the time. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Did you did you play? My, was that the extent of playing after the record came out? I mean, did you well, get offered any? When we tours went north, or? it was more fun. Okay. Yeah. Northwest. Yeah, on Portland. With flying colors. Oh, oh yeah. Pacific <laughs> Northwest times yeah. were really fun. And we, we got to play with the first show of, of Screaming Trees. They had never played before. And yep. they, they, well, I don't know who played in what order, but it was the beat happening yeah. and Screaming Trees and 28th Day. And then when we played in wow. Corvallis, always there'd be just the biggest crowds ever. We'd be yeah. like, whoa. We, we would have a nice crowd at our place, you know, in Chico, but not like that. I mean, I think and I remember getting so scared and saying to myself, just look at the look at the set list like a map you know just think of it like a map okay you have this song okay, go through that <laughs> then you have the next song go through that because i was so nervous yeah the corvallis show it was upstairs in an odd yeah. fellows hall and the stage the stage was wow. four blocks you know those risers and they had pushed them together and it was bouncing because oh, yeah. the floor was <laughs> bouncing and we start and the square started moving up moving apart and and stuff so everything and my drum my drums were in the middle of the end so also this gap was opening up and my oh. pedal was yeah it was pretty cool barbara's like everyone take one step back. i mean i talked to people yeah. years later like pete krebs and and like a lot of these portland people that like years later when i was playing in the snowman in the 90s were like I was at that show at 
at the Oddfellows Hall. And that was like one of the shows I really remember from that period of time as being, it was insane. It was fucking great. And we were like, you know, just, it was a really, really good show for us. I think there's a tape of that somewhere. Do you remember getting kicked out of the Oddfellows Hall because you and I went in and we're looking at all the stuff and then this guy came out and was like yeah. freaking out because there was a woman and neither of us were Oddfellows? And Russ actually, Russ <laughs> Coleman went on that tour with us. And he That's mixed right. that show. Oh. Right? Because yeah, I, I believe so. I remember I so. driving back over Grant's Pass and it was like a blizzard and we were all just <laughs> freaking out. We thought we were going to die. Uh, on the way home, and then and then we did, and then we did it. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> that, was, that Northwest tour though was really fun. Walkabouts, flying color. Um, wow. Yeah, walk, walk really, we, we had some really good shows, and we and we changed like who was the headliner for every show. I think we had three shows. I think we were Olympia, um, Somewhere else, ended up in Seattle. Corvallis, Corvallis, or Corvallis. We were the headliners in Seattle, I think. I guess. Yeah. We busted out like uh, it's all too much. We did a uh, cover of the Beatles. It's all too much with like alternative tunings and like all that crazy stuff. And it's really kind of where we were going. And I think a lot of you know, we were kind of giving up that kind of the Paisley Underground kind of thing that we had been really kind of attached to i think we were all kind of moving in this other direction which was much more post-punk and and kind of a little darker darker for sure and more power and louder and more powerful for sure so was there any thought of recording a follow-up record we were on our way we record there's a bunch of stuff on the one cd that's demo tapes for what we would have done for the second record um which i really wish we had done <laughs> well, I think I think we get all to it. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm fine. Got years. Ago. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, in a way, the um the the sunbirds the sunbirds were um. I know. What? Easy, <laughs> easy. Wait, wait a minute. I wow. pull it off, but I couldn't do it. The uh, were kind of doing the material for the second record. Like, in a way. We were doing it also. Well, Wait. I mean, me and Barbara were having some. No, I had left. I had left. I moved to San Francisco and right. Sunbirds started right up. There was like hardly a hiccup. Ah. And so uh, I was so, very so, jealous. I was so, like, oh. And then so, Cole <laughs> went on tour. Oh, he was doing all sorts of stuff i was like i felt like i was in a slump for a while there but you know i was and then then you release scissors which is like one of the greatest records in like indie rock history so i agree absolutely absolutely (laughs) so so you two breaking up kind of was the end of the band it was a very tough Uh, period no because we went on a little longer like a year okay we were broken up but (laughs) yeah yeah, it's just no, like, no, it, it, it was great. <laughs> Otherwise, it was like really fucked. I mean, it was sweet, actually. Right. It was sweet. Once it was really, we were really broken up. I think we were a lot nicer to each other. I mean, Ronnie, yeah. I think you can relate right. to this, right, Ronnie? No, I was going to say in my band, I formed, uh, you know, me and Kim were a couple when we formed our band and we broke up uh, probably about two years into the band. But we, we had a sit down and we we're like, look, we're, the band's doing okay. We got to make a conscious effort to 
to be friends and uh, make this work. And uh, yeah, I can't say that it wasn't difficult for people in the van sometimes, but uh, yeah. you know, we we it saved our friendship, you know. And I can see that with you too, as well. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, well, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Even, although it really didn't. I mean, me and Barbara were really. Man, there were some tough times there, but we really started communicating with each other uh, pretty quickly after we had really broken up. I mean, we yeah. still have a connection. We still do. We we have yeah. a connection for sure. You know, uh, that's, that's, I guess you can't really break it, but yeah. it's nothing for our our married partners to worry about. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It was awkward for me uh, in parts and times and stuff, but yeah. I guess well, there was the problem really. I mean, it was it was that that it all hinged on if I could handle it or not. I think I think that was the problem. And you know, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised I lived through it actually. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think that that it was on and off. Only re I really do feel that you guys were always willing as long as I could mentally handle it. So um, we were able to we we were able to go for a while and then. You know part of the problem is being so far away and um, right you know just it just and then i just fell into the groups that i i met in san francisco and cole had already really started up something pretty hot with um, mike and his brother and things like that you know it, it just things happen you know the time time passes and you fill it up and um and you really are you know it depends on who you're around it, people it has to be a proximity or else you don't get a lot of produ productivity. That's what I think, at least back then. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I look at it now in, in hindsight, you know, all the years ago, I should have probably followed Barbara pretty quickly after she left. I, I, I think, you know, Chico's one of those places that if you don't, if you don't leave, you're there or it swallows you up and, and you find yourself being like, you know, stupid and and stuff so yeah i i admire barbara for having the gumption just to pick her shit up and go i probably should have done it way sooner than i did so but yeah i mean it's funny how that all kind of you know i mean i'm glad i st i stayed in the way because i was able to do some things you know I'll start like a label and other other things and and find myself a little bit um you know through trial and error but yeah i should have left way sooner than i did in many yeah, ways but, mike you always worked harder than i ever did <laughs> like, both of us. whatever happened to my my life and my career i don't know if i ever put as much effort into it as you have and so well, yeah, you deserve all the good the good that's happening to you now and and i'm proud of you for being able to make that antagonist or the protagonist into an antagonist that we are all so proud of you know um as, as and, i turn red uh, <laughs> it's just it's just a really tough thing to go through to have those kind of emotions so raw but i'm a big yeah. fan of reading um rock biographies and, oh, me too. and yeah. lately i have yeah. been doing a big star like every book on big star and it is just so horrible um that i like yeah that's what happens mm -hmm. yeah i just <laughs> ordered a book about buffalo springfield uh, <laughs> i would love to read it after you there. and i love them so much i mean they may be my favorite band from that period I've been listening to them a lot lately. I was I, the, one of the first songs I ever remember hearing on the radio. Like I must have been four or five was for what it's worth, and I you know that song still sticks with me. So good. And I and it's still mm -hmm. fucking. I mean, Let's they're all awesome. incredible. 
<laughs> and like here it is you know i know they had issues i mean it's, yeah you're young man it's like think crazy yeah. it's like you know. well what we thought was important back then does is not important now at all and like when you think about it, it's like god it was like we're so fixated on what seems like so small but when it's your entire life and you're so young and your whole identity is wrapped up in this thing and you know i think your decision making process is a little bit like blurry well, you're not, we, we're not fully developed here yet and that's for sure and then secondly um i am so glad i'm not a mom or a dad yeah don't say that in front of jeff but <laughs> my kids are both maybe gay and and they both are great musicians so i know they're beautiful nice yeah, yeah. I was the only Jeff has 20 kids, group. you guys. 20 kids. All right, Jeff, cool. Jeff has 20 kids. Yeah, yeah, just to let you know. 20 grandkids, only six kids. Come on. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's good, though. Damn. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It's a How the version, the complete recordings, how did this come about after the band had broken up? Who made this happen? I can tell you a couple stories that I think you're dying to hear about that record. And I've got some juicy ones for you, Jeff. Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on, Barbara. Bring it There's on. an extra song that was never supposed to come out ever, ever, ever. And I was kind of talked into recording it with the band because we, we did it. But I learned that I hated the song. It's just really still hate the song. It's a terrible song. Um, I'll give it, you know, <laughs> songwriting credit to anyone who wants it because I don't care about this song. It's kind of like a bastard child I will never recognize. But it was a song that we we were able to play and we did it as a sound check in this basement with Russ Tolman under the under the guise that it will never ever ever be used. In fact, I didn't even know it was recorded. Like I thought we were just sound checking. Um, but you know, you sound check on tape. So there you go. Uh, but sure enough, um, Life Story appears on the extended version, which is a song that, you know, again, I'm not that proud of. And then another funny story to tell you is that I remember how my jaw, for sure Cole's jaw dropped. I think maybe Mike's jaw dropped, but he might've been already pretty sure he knew what was gonna happen. But I remember um, arguing a lot with Russ Tolman. Like I just didn't get along with him right away. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Now we're <laughs> friends now though, you know, we're like, I, I, got, I love his wife, Kim Tolman, and um, Sheila, and they love my husband. So we do a lot of like couples things back in the old days, pre, pre COVID. But anyway, the point is that back then I didn't trust him and uh, I wasn't so sure of his motives. And I didn't think he really had this, this, the, this, the taste in music that I did and et cetera, you know, those kind of things that were probably true. And we were recording a song and he wanted to chunk take us chunk out of it 
and it was Paige's turn and we had like, you know, we'd already sort of broken some of our songs apart and made them shorter for him in practice, but yet here was Paige's turn, our most best song. And he wanted to just cut out the lead up to the lead. And he put the tape on and he grabbed the knife and he just sliced it. And I just remember Cole and me just like, like you just, killed something you know like it was pretty much our first experience of somebody doing a really good job of editing because sure enough he fixed it and then he played it and it was better and we played it like that afterwards but boy that was a shocker uh, but he was really into editing songs down which um you know i i can understand we were kind of from that world where you make a song go as long as possible because you know you have to play for hours <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, well, there's a couple remember, stories for you. Mixing that, I think we mixed a lot of the songs without Barbara. I think it was me and Mike and Russ. Yeah, I'm not too happy with that that story. Yeah, and then we came back, and I just and I was like, "Here's the final mixes," and I thought they were fantastic. And Barbara was like, "What the fuck is this?" It's super <laughs> reverb, like yeah, really. It's like putting 1985 all over it. And it was super guitar-y. There was like four guitar tracks on anything, on every song. And we're, we have one guitarist in the band at that point. <laughs> and so for me, yeah. I was like, this is great. And like, Barbara was like, what the hell is this? Um, and, uh, Russ Tolman's was totally fired. right at the time, of course. <laughs> Russ Tolman's um, fired. That's the thing, you make these decisions when, when you're the guitarist in the band and you're the only guitarist in the band. It's uh, hard, it's hard because there's, there is that, that beautiful, it's like a drug being in a recording studio. Yeah. And, um, just, you know, if you're a musician and love doing that kind of stuff, it is so beautiful. It's something I haven't tasted in a long time. We're talking about drugs. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, but I think that there were a lot of tensions with him you know with russ and i think mm -hmm. maybe that might have added to the benefit of the record i'm not sure but that's for sure the reason for the scream yeah. and i don't even want to tell this story because i've already told it which one do you want to say it i'll tell it so yeah i mean bar we were doing the first this is the first eight track version of the 20th day record in davis that we were recording and um we were doing burnside which I think it was Davis, darling. I think it was in San Francisco and some weird. No, because we did not do Burnside in San Francisco. We just did it in Davis. Okay. Yeah. And it's that scream that's partway through the song. Um, and I, Barbara and Russ were definitely at loggerheads about something. And he was. About the baseline. Yeah. And like, you need to do a scream in here or whatever. She's doing the vocals and she fucking ripped that scream out.
when I was in the studio, I was in a booth with Russ, and he, he just like had to pull off his headphones. And it was like, where did that come from? And it's still in the song. Because <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah. My blood is still curdled from that scream. Yeah. It's <laughs> I did the scream live, but it was no plan. There was no plan for that. And no, there was no I, I definitely was looking at him when I screamed. <laughs> like I watched him pull those headphones off. I was like, good. Feel it. No, it's... I wanted to play, I wanted to play this really good, I wanted to play this chord, a bass chord. And he was like, minimal is, you know, go minimal, go minimal, which I'm sure he was right. But I wanted to do this like murky chord that would do the beat. And um, and I figured since I wrote the song, I was able to choose that. But um, yeah, there definitely, um, I became a little more aggressive after that. <laughs> being able to t say, tell people like oh, hold on like i get to decide yeah yeah and then yeah then in the seat and there's and then the full-length cd that jeff has he was asking i mean how did that i can i don't remember how that came together like all the extra tracks and stuff is that a was that russ's idea the, are you talking the, about the european version that no, had the, extra the, tracks? The, the, the expanded compact the complete disc. yeah 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 <laughs> The, was it yeah. Pat Thomas? Not that other fucked up one that came out before that one. No. <laughs> yeah, Pat Thomas was part of that, right? And and Pat Thomas, Russ, Russ and stuff. I I, I did. Yeah. Robert, did you? Have yeah, it says compiled Are you by, about by the Pat. Brown record. Not the, no, no, no. no the the CD. Pat, Pat, Pat wrote the yeah. liner notes for that one, so I think. Want me to go grab it? Because that's not the record where they're showing. It says compiled by Pat. Pat's never afraid to take a credit. No, he's. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I mean, we're talking about the Brown record, the 28th day, the first one that didn't have the yeah. cover on it. That was, oh, yeah, that, that, that was, was Skyclad, right, I think? Yeah, Skyclad, yeah. Yeah. That was that was a Russ thing. That's that was kind of done. Yeah, that was Russ trying to grab a couple dollars, I have to say, I think. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was the first time it came out with extra tracks. I think we really got proactively, especially Barbara, like, dude, you need to give us the rights to our music back after that one and that happened uh eventually even though i do i have them are they in a box somewhere the rights to my music <laughs> i don't really give a fuck anymore honestly but, well, hold on to yeah. them because everybody's selling them later in age um you know yeah. Fogarty just sold his today yeah good yeah. for him i'm sure they're worth a lot more than mine unfortunately but <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah yeah i think that yeah, Barbara, I think, and, and was it Russ and, and Pat decided to do the complete, put all those those songs together for that compact disc? I know that, that Pat did the liner notes, but I, I don't remember how it came Well, out. Barbara did a little essay in there, too, which is beautiful, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I, quote, I quote Barbara's, um, her, her, her uh, little thing that she wrote in that, in that CD. Uh, I'm about uh, the plane stop being fun, or the I, I don't know. It's at the very end of her little essay in there that's in there, whatever. And I don't think that's a, a skyclad one. No, that's not no, a skyclad no. one. That's the one they've been showing. I think it's yeah, the, the one on Interstate, the one on Pat and Russ's <laughs> yeah. label. It yeah, totally explains everything. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like it's the greatest thing that's ever been written about this band in a way. Um, yeah. you know, we are still all really good friends. We love each other. Uh, I no, that's really apparent here. Yeah. If I could, but you know, it's you know, time, time, time and miles <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. Cool. How come you live where there's hurricanes? I mean, 
Because <laughs> my ex-wife made me move here. Uh, I want to live in Chico is where I want to live, honestly. And so one of these days, I'll get back there. Gina applied for a job there, actually. I'm thinking about getting a place in paradise because the places are pretty cheap right now. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you can set up a teepee there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amongst the ruins. Yeah. That's coming back. That's, that's a good thing. I'll be there soon. Yeah. I'm telling you that, Barbara. So if you want to come up to Chico, yeah. I'll figure out. Nice. And Mike. Yeah, I'm okay. So reunion record. Yeah. We can count sure. on a reunion record. Mm -hmm. And then also a box set with these old cassettes. Uh -huh. uh, the demos, the live reissue this on there. Ronnie, I, I really box I love set. that you're, in, you're excited about that, but honestly, <laughs> <laughs> do you know how many people are our age? <laughs> I know it's dwindling. I know. I know it's dwindling. I know. Well, um, yeah, Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie can produce and, 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 you know, herd the cats and then we'll make, and we'll do the reunion record. I'm ready to go. Yeah. yeah. We're all ready to go. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't see Barbara chiming in in any affirmative. Yeah, as long as I can play bass. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm four and a half hours from Los Angeles, so let's do all it. All right. Yeah. So I've got this on recording, so it's official now. So definitely. <laughs> oh, I'd love. I, I'm gonna tell you what. I would love to record with these guys right now. I've got 20 years worth of fucking shit sitting in my house right now, and I'm like having my kids play on now because they're like old enough to do it yeah. call our key family van i'm liking it <laughs> I, I figure like why not just call it 20th day and just like add my children into it because why not and so anyways whoa i think you're gonna get sued buddy yeah <laughs> gotta go with 29th yeah. day yeah 29th day no 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 <laughs> but, I, but i would ask mike and barbara to be on it too so it would all be like yeah, that's true family. yeah perfect <laughs> totally i'll put I did want to mention this compilation that Cole yes. brought up, um, and it's the Strum and Thrum, the Jangle record, which pro is probably my favorite release of the year. All, Mine too. All these songs are amazing, but it includes this 28th day, the alternate version of Page's Turn. Um, did somebody approach the band and ask if that, could, if that song could be included in the compilation? Yeah, whoever put it together, Gabrielle. I think they've gone through some changes, I think, since... Um, they started that, but I got a random email out of the blue about wanting to include us on that record. And um, I'm very excited about that. I do feel like there's a real lack of recognition of that era in American music right now. I just, it's like, you know, hardcore has its thing, um, which, you know, even then they had their thing. Back then, it was just much more uh you know a kind of a scene uh nationwide that kind of helped all those bands as they were touring and this and that whereas the bands that, that we were from and that scene that we were from just didn't it was like catch as catch can and that went for a long time even through like my later band period uh in the in the 80s but um i think i think what's going on is power pop never gets you know jingle jangle power pop that does not never gets enough attention so take yeah, a look at dwight it. twilly and the dbs and yeah I mean, the DBs, why the DBs aren't like a huge i mean like uh, you know big it, star yeah and so yeah they approached raspberries me, let's do it and i talked to barbara and mike about that and the shoes very excited 
Yeah, shoes are awesome. The record. Yeah, you know, it's 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 really interesting too. Is like when I was looking, I I have all of those bands on vinyl, and I kind of forgot that I did, but but seeing it all in one place was like was it just all kind of clicked. And it's an amazing book that I, I agree with you, Jeff. It's like probably my favorite release of the year. I know that 20 days on it, but still just as a record, like, you know, the orange vinyl and the 80 page booklet and stuff, it just, it's amazing. But what's interesting about that and what you realize is that every one of those bands in that compilation were like the biggest band in their scene. Yeah. Regardless of size of city, like one plus two, you know, those types of bands were like the biggest band in this and they kind of held their scene down. And then, you know, and then behind them were all the, all the kids that were seeing those, seeing them play and the bands that they kind of, you know, helped nurture and bring up at the same time. And, you know, it's really funny. It was like, so, you know, the pre-internet and when people used to write letters and you, you know, have to dial up, you know, numbers a hundred, hundred times before you got an answer. And, and I don't know how, <clears throat> I think with just a little bit better of a communication apparatus, I think that that whole scene would have probably coalesce a lot quicker and easier so like bands like one plus two and 20th they would have made a connection or you know or like Barbara right. mentioned the shoes you know or you know those types we would have all been able to connect maybe a little bit faster um but yeah it's just the thing that, that compilation i i i looked at the whole thing and it's like i didn't know hardly any of those bands on that compilation Me neither we never played with them the only ones i really knew were like I knew Salem 66 because I played them their stuff on the radio. Yeah. One of my it favorite bands. Gray because of Pat. Right. And like most of them, I'm like, who the hell are these bands? Oh, Windbreakers, we loved. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the DBs and, yeah. and, you know, Mitch Easter, we adored. And yeah, DBs aren't on there, though. I mean, it's just. It's a bunch of weird bands <clears throat> from every. You know. I like that about the compilation that it doesn't have like a DBs or a let's what the bigger yeah. known bands. You know what I mean? It's all, it's really well done. It is. And, yeah. And the book, the booklet is a book. Let's face it. It took me like yeah. three days to read that thing. Hey, you yeah, guys, it, it's, so. Did I say anything <laughs> that you didn't like on that? Because I was like, Barbara, are you okay with everything? Or did yeah, I you did great. I was, I refused to be a part of it in a way because yeah. I was like, uh, I kept sending it over to you. Like, I, they got a hold of me first and this, when I found out they wanted to do Paige's Turn I was like ah that isn't actually my song here you go and then at that point on I was you know I, I wasn't I didn't do anything for it um so you did a fine job of representing us yes I think yeah. I was I was just in one of those modes where there were a few too many things going on at once and I just couldn't handle it I knew I was you know that sounded like something I would have needed to put some real thought into and I I didn't have the time for it yeah. Great job. Thank yeah, you. Good job, Cole. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I remember playing all those bands on college radio and and picking up some of those records that that we had a very um, very good Tower Records in Chico. Yeah, we did. Um, which I can, yeah, and stuff, and they were pretty attuned to what was going on because like a lot of people that worked at the college radio station worked at Tower Records and they would bring those records in. I mean, I remember buying like the Rain Parade record and all of that the day it came out kind of thing. I mean, they were that that hit. So it was very, very charmed uh, period of time in terms of finding records and, you know, the, the newest thing. I remember when we got the first Rain Parade record, we were practicing in Steve's bedroom, I think, uh, Cole's brother's bedroom over there. Yeah. It was like, you know, and uh, it was a big garage bedroom. And uh, we sat there and listened to that record like over and over for for a number of it hours. Amazing. Like, Fuck. 
That's an amazing. It's still amazing. I play it all the time. I mean, I still do play Days of Wine and Roses, Rain Parade's first two records. Uh, I mean, Gun Club, Fire Love. I mean, all the time. Mm -hmm. Sonic Youth for me. Bad Moon Rising. I mean, I still play that stuff all the time. It's still really, really good. And still, it always cracks me up when people say they're having an 80s party and then they list the songs. And I'm like, no. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. What age were you living in, man? Yeah. <laughs> we, we were living in the wrong 80s because, like, I have Sirius XM and I listen to Sirius Radio all the time. And, and like, yeah. like, why aren't you playing more post punk? Or it's like, it wasn't all about like ABC and the Smiths. Yeah. I mean, Morrissey, like, every fuck, or The Cure, like, every freaking hour. I think that is truly what the underground is. Oh, this beautiful. You know, it's great that we're a part of it. I remember trying to explain that to my family when they would be like, What are you doing, you know, with your life? And I'm like, I make music in the underground. (laughs) Yeah. You're gonna gonna finish college, aren't you? It's like, well, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. When Ronnie, Sarai, and I first started talking about reaching out to you guys, Ronnie mentioned that this record, he said this is one of the most, or one of the biggest seminal records he felt from this scene, and he could not understand how come it wasn't bigger than it actually is because of how important it is to Ron. Ronnie mentioned that to us. So Thank you, um, Ronnie. Yeah, I, yeah, I've never stopped playing this record. I mean, 25 Pills is equal to tell me when it's over, or better than tell me when it's over, you know, all the big. I don't know about that. I, I mean, think... seriously, it's every time I play it, it's, it's magic and it's been, what, 35 years yeah. now, so. Yeah. Thanks to these two for including me. I'm crashing their their <laughs> their uh, thing here, but uh, I appreciate it. It's an honor to uh, and to see all you guys together. And yeah, you're all wonderful. And so, I'm really excited that Ronnie's going to be producing the the next the reunion record. Well, yeah, yeah I, I've I've seen the Muffs enough times live that I feel like we're family. Uh, oh I've my had, god! Oh, you have? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I never assume anybody's heard of us, so thank you, Mike. Oh, I yeah. appreciate that. No but, way. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to start making phone calls. I'm managing you guys now, so I'm going right. to start making phone calls. The perfect. Morning. Yeah, but, you know, our, our, get our manager, our our manager has to wear a tie, Ronnie. Be ready for anything that could happen. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm coming yeah. out this yeah. summer. I'll tell you that right now. I'll be in California this summer. Okay. I'm freaking okay. my crook. And, like, you know, now I'm old enough where I can just, like, Tell my job to fuck off, and I'm coming out for however long I need to. So, 
Nice. Well, and it's up to Barbara because I'm I in can, Sacramento I'm, a lot too. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm in the same uh, same boat as Cole. So yeah, whenever. I'm unemployed. What? Oh, well, you're a teacher, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I got I got let go because of social justice. Oh, yeah. I was giving social mm. justice lessons that were not welcome. Mm. Oh. Aww. Yeah. So not easy to find a teaching job right now, but yeah. So I would say it was quite open. Yeah. But yeah. um yeah. I I I did get a little gig um somebody from Palo Alto is paying me to write some songs about math. And so I'm doing that for a short gig it's a temp quite temporary but something quite fun nice to get paid like that so barbara i have a question yes sir so if i sent you something mm -hmm. that a uh, song that i would like you to lyrics on yes could you do that yes i mean i have to i have to ask sweetly to my husband because he's yes. in charge of the engineering part of it but um, <laughs> But yeah, he he loves it. You know, we were doing for several weeks there. I was recording covers and posting them on Bandcamp for free, yeah, I, and I, I was doing that, that out of I was doing that kind of out of intense desperation because I really needed to play and sing and I needed a purpose. Um, but we really got into sort of a groove with that, and it was fun. So um, yeah. Okay, I'll be in touch. Okay. Yep. PM. Yeah, PM. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I have I have four drum kits uh, in a in yeah. a bedroom, so I'm ready. And to only roll. two hands. Yeah, and only two hands. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It's, It'll be like riding a bike. It'll be like riding a bike. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so I'm ready. Well, it sounds like we're yeah. So Ronnie, you're on. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, DM me for uh, for organizational help, and uh, <laughs> it sounds like we have, we're gonna get rolling here. Perfect. I, do you have time, yeah. dude? I'll be in touch. I know Mike is killing <laughs> it in Mexico right now, right? I mean, yeah. that's still happening, right? I mean, dude. What about yeah, Mexico? I, I go back and forth. Yeah. I have a, I have a, a record label headquartered in Mexico City. Yep. Oh. And it's yeah. killing it, I think. Uh, Mike yeah, we did uh, 20 records last year. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, we're a you busy. should ask him about this. <laughs> yeah, this is a whole different podcast. Probably is actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we have an outlet. So yeah, the, the mechanism's in place. I know a guy who knows a guy. So yeah, <laughs> you are a guy. <laughs> it sounds like. And you are a guy. Yeah. So at all. Yeah. Perfect. See, so we we have the we have the we we have a label. We have a manager. And wow. Yeah, we have a marketing guy, Jeff. Twenty records in twenty twenty, Mike. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, because uh, uh, it is not a, not a conducive year for that, as we all know. No, I'm so. stu I'm stubborn, um, and and uh, and I just love music. What so. really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, for me, this was very exciting to have the three of you on talking about this, and obviously, as Ronnie has mentioned, you it's obvious that you guys still have this connection between you and. We've been joking about this reunion, but I, I honestly hope that you guys could do something like that because the music that you've released, uh, as Ronnie mentioned, is is extremely influential and both of us, all three of us, Soraya included, we, we still listen to it regularly. So this music that you guys recorded 35 years ago, even if it was contentious with, with Russ and Barbara, 
arguing, screaming, yelling. <laughs> ah! So um, thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about this music. And I hope this is not the end of the story for 28 days. I really do. I, don't think Please. I mean, my yeah. team, I mean, I'm, I'm over here in North Carolina. I mean, for now, you guys are all so Get much. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to work my way back so much. I want to be there. I would really, really honestly love to play with Mike and Barbara again. In okay. Any, well, this summer. In so we're going to do possible, it. Yeah. Summer, summer is right around the corner. It is. So, it is. It right is. around the corner. And me and Mike, you know, we we talked last summer, and like, then all this shit happened. And uh, right. there's other stuff going on with other bands and stuff. But but uh, there's a place in my heart that will never ever be replaced by 28 Day. I can tell you. Yeah, that. The, my whole trajectory in life was was formed by my days in 28 Day. Yeah, for sure. It would have been right. very very different if I just if I didn't if I had never met Barbara and Cole and took this adventure. I, it would have been a very different life for me. And stuff and you know that when you as you get older and you start working like straight jobs and people will tell you these stories and like oh it was the greatest day of, of like you know it's like dude that was my fucking day. that was tuesday night every fucking tuesday for like five years in chico your, your greatest day ever yeah. was like my tuesday night yeah you know and, <laughs> and uh, yeah so i i yeah i owe a lot to barbara and cole for sure yeah without Thanks. a doubt thank you so soraya any final thoughts before we say goodbye. I'm loving all of this and I want I want this to happen. Whether whether the record label in Mexico City, which by the way, do you want to plug it, Mike? Uh, it's just devil in the woods mx. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The FA in the house. Yeah. But Ronnie gets work. <laughs> Cole's got a song. Yep. Barbara's involved. Come on. Let's just yep. make it happen. You guys are fantastic. The music is timeless and we can't wait to hear more. It's still there, I know too. I know. I know Barbara's writing shit. I know I am. Mike is working hard, doing mm -hmm. what he's doing. I know the magic is still there. And that's all I have to say. Excellent. That's a great way to end this. Yeah. Love you guys. Thank, thank you so much for giving us shit about 28 Day. I really appreciate it. I really yeah. Yeah. This has been great. It's good yeah. to see everybody and nice to meet you guys and, and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's really, really yeah. cool. Ronnie, Dream come true, you guys. my dad. Yeah. I met him. I drove down to Mexico and we drank so much fucking tequila, uh, whatever <laughs> drinks we drank. Barbara, oh my God. And then we didn't want to take the toll road back. So we drove along the cliffs of Mexico, drunker than hell. With Barbara's dad. <laughs> my dad's a wow. metal man with 28 Day. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, we could talk. Wow, we could talk all night. I know we could. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, anyway. We'll make that plan too. We'll have the grand night in Los Angeles. Viva! Come nice. back, please do. Love you guys. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you really so much, Bonnie. Have let's talk. Day. Yes. Yeah. 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 I got that record yeah. for you. All right. Take care. And then Mike, yeah. I just want to say, Mike, if you if you had come up to me at one of those musk gigs and said I'm Mike Cloward from 20th Day, I, I would have freaked the fuck out. I would have, I would have freaked out. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, I, 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 I right in front of you and uh, at fingerprints watching you guys play not too long ago. Oh, you were. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I get. I would And I was right in front of you so at well. the bottom oh, of the. I was at. I, I was at a noise. I think it was noise pop. I can't remember what year. I was right in front of you at the, oh. at the bottom of the hill. I'm pretty sure it's the bottom of the hill. Mm -hmm.
with the fastbacks. Oh, that yeah. was the first time I saw you guys. Yeah. The okay. Yeah. The wow. The Absolutely. I didn't mean to turn this on to me, here, but uh, thanks, you guys. <laughs> oh, no. Buster. Buster <laughs> I'm blown away. It. Yeah, yeah. No, no. For sure. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right. All right. Guys. all right. Thanks so hey, much. Have a good night. Thanks, all Jeff. Right. Bye. Okay. Hey, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Jeff and Soraya, be nice. This of is course. where they talk shit about us. <laughs> Always. Call. Good so, night. Nice to meet you. Oh, Soraya, how? That quote of the night. Pure magic. Pure magic. Pure magic. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the synergy of these three people. I I just can't. How many years removed are we from the first release? What, 1885? 35 years. Bloody hell. And I'm sorry, people, if you've never, ever, ever listened to a 28th Day song, you need to get it. The, the compilation that Jeff's talking about, Strum on Thumb, we've talked about it. Uh, did I just butcher the name? Strum and Thrum. Strum and Thrum. Yeah. Uh, that compilation was released in 2020, 28th Days on it, but um, the complete recordings is out. Um, it, that was released in 2013? Was it 2013? Three. 2003, oh, okay. And um, not a bum song on it. That's why I, I found it so funny that Barbara talked about the last track, yeah. Life Story, and she said, well, it was a sound check and I never expected it to be recorded and I don't particularly like it and there it is. Um, yeah, you need to hear their music because Ronnie's right. This band should have blown up and didn't. I mean, you know, there were places where they, they had a strong following. Yeah. But look at these three individuals and there's a lot of love and energy and respect and obviously un, unheard material. Yeah. You know, look at how many things they talked about. We've got this initial release that there are two different versions, a US release and a European release. And then we've got these complete, the complete recordings. And then there's this, I, I want to track down this Brown album Yeah, that Barbara was talking about um, on Skyclad because she said there's a number of things on there. Didn't sound like, it sounded like that album was really the catalyst, like, hey, give us our rights back and we'll do something different. And then um, Cole mentioned, sorry, I got to go back to my, yeah, no, tape, this tape. And I think I got the, the title wrong, 28 songs for 28 days. Yeah, that's what he mentioned. Yeah, and she, and they said that American Fast Cars is on it, which hasn't been, you know, which hasn't, hasn't been heard. And was it Chances Become Electric? Yeah. Right? So I'm like, I, I, I want to hear these. Yeah. I want to hear this stuff. But more than anything, Jeff, I absolutely am fascinated with the fact that still want to keep they still want to keep working together and got ronnie involved and i'm like i'm here for all of it we're here we're here to coordinate it yes okay keep talking keep talking don't end don't end the call just talk 
And I love, I love that Mike said, okay, we're going to talk. <laughs> Ronnie, DM, da, da, da. I'm like, yes. Are you happy? You got to be you, flying at this you moment. You know I am. You know I am. So I, I was just wondering, is this really going to happen or is this just fun talk? <laughs> so um, let me tell you, the sense that I got is that this wasn't bullshit. That this was real. And there, and the fact that Mike said, "Okay, Ronnie, we're gonna talk." Um, and that cold told Barbara, "I've got a song. I want lyrics." Yes. Uh, this isn't done. Yeah. Me say it's not done. I did want to mention that they've all three gone on to do other projects and released other stuff. We didn't want to address yes. that because our focus wanted to be on the twenty eighth day, but they've all done other projects, release other albums, other- So for albums. example, let's give our listeners a little idea. Yeah, so um, Barbara was talking about um, her, when she moved to San Francisco and she did stuff with a band called SF Seals. Mm -hmm. And then Cole's put out some stuff. Um, I forgot what the name of his band was, The Snowmen, mm -hmm. I think was the name of it. Yeah. Um, and then Mike's done this, got his record label that he was talking about based out of Mexico City and he mentioned to us when we were planning this that that he, he moves back and forth and spends a lot of time in Mexico City too so there's a lot of other music that they've put out but as a unit 28 day and incredible stuff too so I I loved all the stories see my cat really enjoyed the stories too um <laughs> I loved all the stories <laughs> and um, I, I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. And when they get this next series of songs together, because I have full faith that they will, uh, we're going to have them back on. I hope so. I hope so. Oh. All right, Jeff. Oh, so <laughs> they were called the Snowmen. It, it right. was one of his bands. Um, then, um, Barbara mentioned Sunbirds, which happened right after 28th Day, almost yeah. like he had something going on while they were a band. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I would be remiss not to mention the Downsiders who were on uh, this label um, that one of my favorite bands, the Connells, were on mm -hmm. um, called Black Park Records. So yeah. Downsiders was another band. So plenty of projects. Um, and um, I think... Uh, Cole was right when he mentioned that when Barber released um, her Lately I Keep Scissors record, which is incredible. Um, another one that I love is One Perfect Green Blanket. She's got all kinds of stuff that she's been involved with. Um, again, SF Seals and um, uh, she had a band called The Go Luckies, all kinds of stuff. So, but we wanted to focus in on the 28th day stuff. So. You know, and one of the things that I, you know, I remarked to you, I find the songwriting to be really good and the vocals are great on these songs. And that's why I thought it was really interesting that when they were talking about the genesis of the band, um, uh, they said the songwriting vibe was key. Yes. And you can, you hear it. I mean, these are songs that, uh, you know, what was it that Barbara was saying at the end, like when they were mixing, you know, that she wasn't part of some of the mixing and then things sounded really reverby. And she said, oh, this is like so 80s. <laughs> but, and 
and I think that's some of I think that's some of people uh, a list a music listener's question is could music made in the 80s mid 80s really sound contemporary really sound like it fits you know with this time because some 80s music sounds super dated right yes theirs doesn't and i really think it's even though the three of the, uh you know uh definitely cole uh, down and might kind of downplayed their musical abilities and barbara said oh no you guys are great i think it's because of how they played their instruments but i really think it's because of the songwriting the value of the songwriting and it seems like they all fit together really well and kind of connect and are able to construct songs that are solid and hold over time that's my impression as i you know when i listen to it and like i was telling jeff that right now i'm uh, i've been playing a lot dead center and that song is it's on the complete recordings but it's a fantastic song there's but you know dead center is just one there are so many plus there's that in you know one of the instrumentals that was just numbered as they were working the work yeah instrumental number one <laughs> instrumental number one but um and then i loved barbara's quote at the very end when she had to explain to when she was explaining to her family what are you doing she goes i make music in the underground yes i make music in the underground hell yes yes so i think you know you and i have talked a lot about what what comprises kind of the the paisley underground world right the orbit of the paisley underground and we've talked about the core and then we've started talking about you know associated or parallel um movements and scenes and i mean 28th day is 100 percent, you know part of this they make music in the underground they're definitely part of this underground universe that you and i talk about a lot and what really makes it a part of it and look at you know the bands that they that they knew played with and uh, were contemporaries of you know long riders rain. long riders three o'clock rain parade Dream. thin white rope if and why one and one i mean there's a lot more to this scene and i think i think one thing is to recognize what the core of the scene of Paisley Underground is, and you know, Danny Benair did a fantastic job of defining that for us a long time ago. And then you have to say, okay, but within that, once we start kind of expanding our view, there are a lot of other bands that were kind of circulating in the same universe. Um, and again, we go back to, they all had good relationships with one another, they played shows together. And and then like think about that show and the fact that Cole, that Cole said that there's a tape of it, I'm like I need I need that. Yeah. Give me a, it was a Raji show with uh, you know at uh, with Plastic Land and uh, Dead Milkman. Yes. And Twenty Eighth Day. I want that tape. Yeah, I want to be at that show. Dang. I want that tape. I don't know who out there, a listener, has it. 
because I know somebody's got it. Now we got to go back to Cole because <laughs> Cole apparently has a bunch of tapes. But I'm telling you, you will not regret listening to 28th Day. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and this was awesome to have all three of them. Yes. I guess, yes. Uh, dude, you're the man. Well, I think Cole owes me a copy of that tape because I found him a new uh, reissue producer. So I, I think, you know, I think that's a fair exchange. <laughs> yeah. No, but in all, in all honesty, <laughs> yes, it was so amazing to have all three of them on because all three of them painted a picture that I don't think we would have had if we did not have all three. And I mean, in a trio, each member becomes that much more important because there's only three members in there. And each one of these three were key members of this band. I mean, Mike started the band right. before even Cole and Barbara were involved. But it was amazing to have all three. And, and we always love having Ronnie. And Ronnie is able to... Ronnie, can he be just any better than what he is? I love having him on and... Uh... Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that we were able to help him, you know, get to talk with a band that he appreciates and loves so much too. We're not the only fangirls. No, Ronnie Barnett is fangirl extraordinaire. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Holy holy moly, man. <sighs> I'm telling you, uh, this was a pretty terrible day when it started. Yeah. But man. It got much better. Got much better. And I got to thank Cole, Mike, and Barbara for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, Ronnie Barnett. Of course. Of course. And uh, just remember, pure magic. All right, mi gente. Agruviar. Groove on, basically, people. Rust Holman's fire. Yeah, Rust Holman's fire. <laughs> <laughs>